Hello and welcome to episode 133 of the Marvel Studios News Podcast. My name is Sean Gerber, joined as always by Paul Herman. How you doing, Paul? I am doing very, very, very well on this uh, kind of cloudy day in Seattle. So yes, I'm doing very well. Glad to hear it. And you're not the only one with me for this episode. <laughs> we have a guest in the house. You will, you may remember his voice. If not, go back and listen to the episode. Uh, you heard this gentleman join us back on episode 95 of the Marvel Studios News podcast, in which we went through, we each went through our top 10 moments in the Marvel Cinematic Universe up until that point. After Endgame, those lists are null and void, but the episode is still there uh, if you want to go ahead and listen to it. But he's back with us with another challenging topic, uh, asking us to each put up our our Mount Rushmore, our four films that will serve as the Mount Rushmore for the Infinity Saga, which is now complete with 23, not 22 films. John Shecker, welcome back to the show. Thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You guys have been entertaining me for eight years. Almost as long as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Eight We've, years? Not on this show, but uh, since, since the old Modern no, Myth Media since days. Since Modern Myth Media. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you're an OG. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my first podcast was Thor, I think. Oh, that's yeah. legendary. You know, that's the... That is the episode that I met one of my best friends in this in this whole world, John Beerley. That's the first time I've ever talked to that guy. Yep. Ever. That is true. It was on that Thor show. Yeah, I think oh, I think Paul, amazing. you, myself, and Brad did one show before that. I think, if I remember yep. correctly, and then yeah, the next show was a two-part Thor review. Uh, it was the four of us: Paul, <laughs> Brad, and John, uh, myself. For the first part, Brad had to bail because he was in Australia and time zones and whatever. Uh, so then it was John, Paul, and myself uh, carrying the second leg of our Thor spoiler review. Uh, that was before we decided to just do four-hour episodes, if we really had a long spoiler review, oh. like we did for uh, for oh, Avengers man. Endgame. But yeah, this topic is a Woo. challenging one. I, as soon as I reached out to you, John, and, and asked what the topic was going to be, and you threw out this idea, I thought... How can we do something that's more frustrating than boiling down all the moments in the MCU to a top 10 list? Uh, the only thing that could be more frustrating is to take all these movies now that the saga is complete uh, and whittle it down to four. Now, I, I will just say that each of us have our own criteria. There was no universal set of criteria by which everybody had to come up with their list. So if you remember back in episode 95, there was no criteria for the top 10 list either. Uh, everybody got to kind of make up their own mind on what they were doing. John and I had, I think, some overlap on a few instances. Paul didn't have any overlap with anybody, I don't think. Maybe one, I can't remember. But I think we're going to come up with, uh, we're definitely going to come up with at least two different lists between the three of us. Maybe it will actually be three uh, different lists. But you'll find out what criteria each of us used for our MCU Infinity Saga Mount Rushmore as we go along. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, each of us are going to go through our list, not Every film you hear is going to be in chronological order, but we're each going through our own respective lists uh, in chronological order. So if you if there is going to be overlap, uh, then you'll just hear us agreeing with each other on the film that's placed there. So starting out in chronological order by release date, John, what is the first film on your list? Well, much like George Washington on Mount Rushmore, first president, I'm going with the first movie, Iron Man. Reason... Uh, a lot of reasons to choose Iron Man. I think uh, one of the first ones is risk. Mm. This was uh, really established a pattern of Marvel t 
taking risks. Uh, everyone knows the story, if you're listening to this podcast, about what they put up to make this movie. And also, if you think about it, John Favreau, as the director, was not a home run choice. I mean, he's done so many blockbusters now, but he was coming off uh, Zathura, mm-hmm. which bombed. And he, you know, that's his first special effects movie. Well, Elf had special effects, but um, coming off a, a bomb like that, saying we're going to put all our chips with this guy was quite a risk. And I think it established a pattern <clears throat> that every now and then Marvel says, hey, you know what? We got to try something a little risky. And um, the other thing it did <clears throat> in terms of uh, why it belongs there is it set the tone. Mm-hmm. The production design of especially the first phase and and a few movies after was this is the real world. This is not some stylized fictional world or or, you know, like a Tim Burton type of Gotham. This is our world with superheroes. And it also established a tone of humor being very, very present. Obviously, I remember laughing throughout that movie the entire time. And it focused on the heroes and their character. Um, so that, I think, is the tone that a lot of Marvel movies have kept and why it's been so successful. And then my final criteria for why putting it on there is Tony. Um, Robert Downey Jr.'s casting was such a home run that I think it let Marvel say, we're going to get the best fit for the part, regardless of how big a star they are at the moment. His casting also, if you talk, uh, listen to interviews with other people, they point to that casting as that's why I wanted to be part of the MCU because if Robert Downey, uh, an actor of Robert Downey Jr.'s talent is doing that, then I can do it. And I think from a story perspective, I don't think it it's in doubt that Tony Stark is the most important character in the Infinity Saga. He is not only his own trilogy in the Avengers, but he's a big part of the Captain America trilogy, and he's a big part of the last uh, couple Spider-Man movies. And he's even touches his father does on Ant-Man. So his character's imprint has been all over this story. And spoiler alert, starts with his birth as Iron Man, ends with his death. So for that reason, I am putting Iron Man as the first movie on my Mount Rushmore. It's also the first movie on my Mount Rushmore I think it has to be there. Paul might say otherwise, but I just, for me, there's no way I could not have Iron Man on this list. I think it is not only, as John said, I mean, the MCU just flat out doesn't exist without this movie hitting the way that it does with everything that was on the line with rights to characters. All of that is important. Uh, But when you just really look at this film and, and what it gave birth to, I consider it to be not only the most important Marvel Studios movie ever made, I consider Iron Man to be the most important and most impactful superhero movie ever made, bar none. Uh, I think it's it's at that level now, and has been actually for a while, uh, because we just don't have the MCU without it. And as John was saying, with the choice of John Favreau, I think set a tone for the directors that Marvel Studios would go after, uh, making the choice to go with Robert Downey Jr. at a time where some people just would not touch him at all. Making those choices and all the way, because there's going might be another movie that pops up on the list, but people talk about Guardians of the Galaxy several years ago and talk about how that was, uh, going into that movie, that was Marvel Studios' biggest gamble. It wasn't. It was Iron Man. It, for all the reasons that we talked about, with characters being on the line, John Favreau, Robert Downey Jr., 
none of these were automatics the way that we consider them to be now. And I think that's the part where it's been lost a little bit because Marvel's been on top for so long and Downey's been on top for so long with this character. And obviously Favreau's been on an incredible run that we just take it for granted that these were the obvious choices back when they were putting this movie together. And they just weren't. But all of the risk, all of those things, they don't mean anything if they don't pay off. And they pay off because Iron Man is top to bottom a great film and set the tone for the MCU in all the ways that uh, that John mentioned, but also in, in other ways where you see what this film was able to do with phase one, but also the way, I mean, we just saw another example for it at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home with the mid credit scene. So spoilers for Spider-Man Far From Home uh, from here on out. But when you look at what that movie did with revealing that Peter Parker is Spider-Man in the mid credit scene, well, that can be traced all the way back to the very first film in this Infinity Saga with I Am Iron Man at the end that Marvel Studios was going to walk this fine line of honoring the source material, giving us the kinds of things, letting us see things and storylines and characters that we've been dreaming about forever, but at the same time, they weren't going to let us think that we could just settle in and know what was going to happen just because we had read some comic books, that even for the comic book reader, you would be satisfied, but you wouldn't necessarily have sure footing at a, at any point in time. And I think that's what makes the stories that much more satisfying. If you're just watching a bunch of things you know to be inevitable play out as you expect them to play out, this doesn't work. This works because it's able to delight comic book fans, mainstream audiences alike. And that's what Iron Man was. I mean, I remember watching that movie. I mean, I was already excited about it. You can go back to our Road to Infinity War episode and trace our excitement and anticipation for Iron Man. But just sitting down and watching that movie for the first time and being so thoroughly entertained, and then that became the template for Marvel Studios, not in a way where all their movies are the same, you know that we don't subscribe to that stuff here, but just that idea that you would be, it would be focusing on very flawed, very human characters, telling a story that gets right to the heart of who they are and their journey and what they have to go through and whatever their respective character arc would be. And I, Tony obviously had uh, as the biggest arc of the MCU. If nothing, at the most, you would say that Captain America is tied for first. Uh, but it all starts here with Tony Stark as Iron Man. But then again, Marvel Studios always finding uh, the always finding the key balance and tone for each of these movies between the drama, the action, the humor, Iron Man really set the stage for everything that was to follow. So I, I agree with John. Uh, I've got uh, Iron Man firmly as the founding father. It's it's on Mount Rushmore. Paul, do you have it on yours? The beauty of these conversations that we have <laughs> is that... That's a all, no. <laughs> we all can just agree that there, the argument can be made for any MCU film on this list. And that's the beauty of conversation and the beauty of individuality of, of people having different opinions and, and whatnot. So for me, the Mount Rushmore is, I, I looked at it a lot differently. And like, I love how you, you kind of talked about Sean that, you know, our criteria is going to be a little bit different. Everyone, no matter who you ask the route, who your, you know, your Mount Rushmore of the MCU is. And John, you brought up a great point where you're discussing Iron Man. And I love the first Iron Man movie. I, I want to make that very clear. I love the first Iron Man movie, but you made up a great point saying how Iron Man was kind of they you brought Iron Man to the real world, and that's what the movie did, and, and it got it got on people's levels that they could really accept the character, and that was the beauty of the film. 
to and again, again, I love Iron Man. This is a, the problem with the route Rushmore because you got to kind of figure out what you think is important. Now, the reason why I wouldn't pick Iron Man for my Mount Rushmore is basically it just kind of comes down to this: is that we've had single superhero movies before. We've got, but one thing that it did do was imply of a greater story, and mm-hmm. it was leading into a film that I think without it, without, if this movie did not work and be hit on the level that it did, there's no way the MCU goes further at all. And Sean, you knew exactly what that movie was yes. earlier when you, men- uh, yeah, you no, mentioned it. I, I, I pretty much figured what the first film yeah. on your list yeah. was going to be. You know it. You know. And if you haven't figured that out yet, that movie is First Avenger. Just kidding. Um, which I love First Avenger. Thor the Dark no, World. Yeah. No. Yeah, Thor the Dark World. No. It is, in fact, the 2012 Avengers. And for me, uh, the Avengers signified something that was – every time I watch it, I just I just get giddy. Even though it's not, it's not the best film I think out of the MCU by far right now. Especially out of twenty, we've got twenty freaking films. It's a lot of movies. It's I mean, still if probably- somebody said it was the best film, while it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same as my ranking. I wouldn't fight him on it. Yeah, I think yeah, it's good. Exactly. I think it's good enough to be called the best film if somebody feels that way. And, and I think for me, it's it's probably still my favorite film of all because it. Because I loved First Avenger, I loved Iron Man, I lo- I liked Incredible Hulk, I loved Thor, I pretty much loved all the Phase One films. Um, yeah, I loved Iron Man too. I'm one of the only people who actually really liked Iron Man too. And um, and again, I wasn't one of the people who loved it in the theater. I saw it on Blu-ray a couple times after it came out, kind of being disappointed like everybody else. And I loved that movie. But for me, The Avengers is. Is, is the pinnacle. It's the first one you got to really look at because, again, John, great point saying that, you know, Iron Man had a, had a big job of introducing the, the mainstream audience and bringing it on a level that they would understand and identify with, and you made it very realistic. And again, that at that time was very trendy in superhero films because you didn't want to be too comic booky. You're You were afraid to embrace that. And as, you know, and again, I think the MCU did a great job of kind of getting people ready to what they were about to be exposed to and to and what they were, were pretty much ready for at that point. They kind of like put the training wheels on, if you will, on phase one and said, okay, Captain America has a you know superhero costume, so does Thor. They have capes and whatnot. Get ready, because it's about to get really colorful. And I think the Avengers is the training wheels coming off of the bike, and it's finally full-blown. This is a superhero comic book movie. This is exactly what... We read when we were kids, and this is what you want to see. Trust me, you'll want it. And even though people ridiculed that Captain America costume, whatever, the fact <laughs> is, but, but the truth is they accept it because it was a great story. Because if you look at the comic books, even in the 80s for the Captain America's yeah. winged helmet, it's cheesy as hell. But we don't care because Captain America is a great character. And, and the whole everything, you know, with heroes fighting for like, you know, stupid reasons and it's silly. It's, you know, whatever. It's it's over the top. Avengers did had the perfect balance of everything. And when I say of everything, I mean of tone. I mean, of of, of humor. I mean, even the balance of characters. And, and I, you can hear me rave and rave and rave about that. That first Avengers movie till the cows come home. But really. 
that to me is the pinnacle of like what changed superhero films going forward. Iron Man was the first, and it but it, to me it still treaded on the other things that came before and that came out after it, or excuse me, um, during it, like Dark Knight, Batman Begins. And again, I love Iron Man, but for me, the Avengers is full blown. The MCU really came alive there because they really embraced the roots of where it came from. Because again, they all teamed up against Loki. It was a villain they already put into a previous film. So it's, it was just, it was just something that, you know, we see these aliens come down. I mean, it was just like, again, it felt like a comic book brought to screen. And whereas I felt Iron Man and like even first Avenger, which I love first Avengers, my top five, that's an adaptation of the comic books and like trying to make it more realistic and ground level for the mainstream audience. I feel Avengers is full blown, this is a comic book movie. This is superheroes at their best. Watch and enjoy. You're ready for this. And I think the audience obviously was ready because they ate it up way, way more than I was anticipating. So for me, Avengers is my number one on the Mount Rushmore of the MCU phase or the Infinity Saga, if you will. Yeah, the Avengers is actually one of the toughest omissions from my Mount Rushmore. It's not oh. on, it's not on my list, which oh. I'll get into a little bit more later, but uh, for specific films that, that are going to be on my list. But with the Avengers, it was it was kind of a debate between Avengers and Iron Man as the phase one tone setters. And you're totally right in that Avengers put things on another level, both in terms of what Marvel Studios was doing in the movies and the way the audience was embracing them. So uh, I totally understand why you would go Avengers. I kind of have Iron Man effectively and maybe something else, effectively representing Avengers on my Mount Rushmore uh, because Iron Man being so instrumental. He was, I mean, you, the through line of the entire Infinity Saga, but definitely that first phase because even that film was, even Avengers, I mean, it was a little bit more of that coming out party for Captain America, but it was still mainly Iron Man driven. The Captain America angle, while they, they started getting to it for sure in the Avengers, I'm not disputing that, but I think they took the full turn with Cap in his uh, in his second film, which is probably going to end up on at least somebody's list. But John, uh, do you have Avengers on your Mount Rushmore? <sighs> Paul, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to agree with Sean on this one. Oh! It was the toughest omission of Get all the movies. <laughs> I understand your hatred is well founded. Yep. It was the tough. It's four and a half on my list, but. Yep. Um, there is another movie that I think had to be there that sort of represents the Avengers. Yep. Um, and in rewatching it, it has slowly climbed a little bit down on my list in terms of um, favorites. It used to be my absolute favorite. Um, and also, I think Iron Man did take uh, a little bit of that space. But it was clearly the toughest omission for me because, as you said, Paul, this was the payoff. And the payoff was so profound that it let the Marvel universe write a bunch of checks that they can cash in on, on the, on Avengers. So yep. even if a movie like Thor, the dark world or polarizing Iron Man three, or even uh, age of Ultron, which wasn't universally loved, didn't quite hit the cachet of what Avengers did kept pulling it through. And then once they got to phase three, everything just went gangbusters. But, um, Toughest one, so um, I do not have that one on my list. So I'm guessing we're jumping to 2014 for the next film on your list. Very good call. Uh, yes. So 2014, 
two of the great superhero movies of all time were released and another tough omission for me, but I went ahead and I'm going with Guardians of the Galaxy. Boom. The reasons I'm going with Guardians of the Galaxy is once again risk. Um, Iron Man's the biggest risk they ever took, but Guardians was a pretty big risk. Um, no one knew this team besides you guys, I think. It's like fifteen people. Who knew even the team. even I didn't know them that well. I knew who they right. were. I knew who they were, but I did not know enough about them. I started reading more Guardian stuff because of that announcement. Yeah. Paul was already well into it. Paul knew. I I, I loved. I, I liked the old Guardians of the Galaxy comics, and you know I I was reading Annihilation as it came out. And he can't I, correctly tell you who wrote and who drew those issues, but he <laughs> but he hey, read them. I got the the right. They're, they're close enough. Albert and Landmine was a close enough. <laughs> you know, come on, come on. But uh, what this what this movie did is uh, the risk paid off. Mm-hmm. Um, helped in large part by the great trailers, which is something Marvel has really perfected. But I think that's the best one that they had. Uh, Avengers trailer actually kind of worried me a little. Uh, But this one was so funny in the theater that, you know, that I remember seeing it the first time and the audience just laughing their ass off during the trailer and they're sold. And this movie, I think more than anything, any other movie they did, opened up the entire Marvel universe in terms of characters you could use. If you're going to make a movie that has a bitter, angry raccoon talking to a sentient tree and the audience loving those characters, then you can bring anybody in. Mm -hmm. So every movie coming after that could pick any uh, character in the Marvel universe and not worry, is the audience going to accept this? which is a huge plus going forward. Yep. Uh, what this movie also did is it opened up the production design and the color palette of the, um, the MCU. Um, I, Nowhere's design was so brilliant. And you also saw some of the pastels come in on mm-hmm. Morad, where it wasn't that sort of real-world-ish feel. It had an otherworldly feel. And uh, the humor was there. The heart was there. The the casting of Chris Pratt, who Moneyball and Parks and Rec was pretty much the only thing you'd known from, maybe wanted. Now he's a major movie star um, because they took a risk on him, not going for the going again for the best character for the role. And what I think this movie did. The Avengers did it a little, but this one really did it, is it let Marvel say, we want this filmmaker to bring their sensibility to our universe. We want you guys to play in our sandbox. And giving James Gunn, one of the famous stories is that uh, Josh uh, Joss Whedon read the first pass of the script and he just told him, more James Gunn. Mm-hmm. And you can't watch this movie and not feel James Gunn breathing it all the way through. And I think this led to, uh, especially the, the biggest example is Taika Waititi and Thor Ragnarok, yep. giving him carte blanche, Ryan Coogler with Black Panther. And I think what we've seen uh, recently with John Watt and um, uh, Far From Home, his ability to get the, the younger uh, voice in there. So it gave it, everyone talks about the Marvel you know, that stupid criticism, all the movies are the same. No, the universe is the same, but Mm -hmm. 
but the voices telling the story have been empowered to bring what they what they want. And then in terms of the Infinity Saga by itself, what this movie did is it said it is okay for you guys to go to space. Mm -hmm. And this saga is so galactic uh, by the end of it that I don't know if that would have happened without Guardians of the Galaxy. It uh, And Kevin Feige said something like that at the El Capitan um, presentation of, of what was happening in Phase 3, is that, you know, you told us that you like this. Mm -hmm. So it opened up the cosmic realm. He said it opened up the the world of Doctor Strange with, uh, with uh, magic. And um, it really just said, we can do almost anything. And so the, the risk and everything going for it, that's why it's on my Mount Rushmore as the second film. Yeah, it's also the second film on my Mount Rushmore. I felt like Guardians had to be represented because Guardians was what really put the cosmic corner of the MCU on the map. I know that Thor has some cosmic stuff in it. You have Asgard. There's a, there's a couple trips to Jotunheim that we see in the film. But Guardians was just full on, this is the cosmic side of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And there are so many things that start in this film that are carried forward. I mean, tonally, what James Gunn brought to it, I think this is where we really started to see, although I would also say, I mean, it wasn't really true in my eyes to begin with, but the counter argument to the idea that all the Marvel movies were the same, it got a lot stronger with James Gunn and Guardians of the Galaxy. And I mean, it also, in retrospect, you would say that with the Russos now with uh, Winter Soldier a few months before, but Guardians took that tone that people expected from, or the tonal range that people had come to expect from Marvel movies, and it just ratcheted up the irreverence. And that's something that gave way, as John pointed out, uh, to Thor Ragnarok eventually. So I don't think you get to Taika Waititi and Thor Ragnarok without Guardians of the Galaxy. And to have, have these characters where even a lot of comic book fans either didn't know these characters at all or barely knew who they were, you didn't have a whole bunch of people clamoring for a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And to the point where when Marvel announced this in 2012, and it actually come out, there had been some reporting on a few weeks before that it was something that Marvel was working on. And a lot of people didn't believe those reports and just dismissed them because they're like, there's no way Marvel's doing a Guardians movie. And then Marvel announces it officially at Comic-Con in 2012. And everybody thinks, oh, here it is. Marvel's all, they're high off that Avengers money that they're just going to roll the dice on this and it's probably going to fail, but now they can afford to fail, so who cares? And that's not what Marvel was doing. Marvel just did what they had been doing all along, which is if we believe in a story, we're going to put it on the screen and you're probably, we're going to bet that you're going to love it just like we love it. And when that bet came in and they won that bet with Guardians of the Galaxy, that was the official stamp on it to where there are no limits to there were from that point forward no limits to what Marvel can do. If we can turn the talking raccoon and the tree into mainstream pop culture icons, which they did, there is nothing that they can't do. Oddly enough, people still seem to think that Marvel's crazy by making an Eternals movie. Don't know why. It's no crazy. It's not that I, maybe it's a little crazy in the Guardians, but not really in terms of concept. But Marvel shows that they are willing to bet on these characters, bet on the stories, and yes, bet on themselves and the filmmakers that they work with, and they can do anything. They can accomplish anything. Through great storytelling, they can get you to fall in love with characters you'd never heard of, because by the way, that's what most movies have to do. 
Most movies aren't based on comic books with decades-old characters that people have loved. That's not what they're based on. Most people, they're, they might be based on a book that most of the people who watch the movie haven't read. So most other movies have to get you to fall in love with a bunch of characters that you've never heard of before. And Marvel has that same kind of mentality where they feel like they have to earn the audience's affection. And if they do it right, if they tell a good story and give these characters the kind of moments they deserve, then that's where that connection is going to happen. And it certainly happened with Guardians of the Galaxy. And when you talk about the Infinity Saga in the narrative, this was the declaration of what was to come. I don't. It's no coincidence that this movie comes out on August 1st of 2014, and a little more than two months later in October, that's the El Cap presentation with the Phase 3 announcement. But the Phase 3 announcement was preceded by this other little announcement on Nowhere with the Collector as he's going through the Infinity Stones. Now, we had heard Infinity Stones name-dropped in Thor The Dark World the previous year, but that was just a quick little, oh my god, they said Infinity Stones Easter egg. But Guardians of the Galaxy was where it was really laid out there. Here are the six stones. Here's your first kind of taste of what they actually look like. And this is absolutely where we are headed. Uh, and so Guardians in story, um, I mean, all the things that it set up outside for Marvel Studios, obviously major. But even in story, uh, it's such a crucial step in the Infinity Saga. Uh, but Paul... I'm going to guess that Guardians is not on your list. I'm going to take my next guess and say that we skipped your 2014 film, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. There comes a time on every list, Sean, that you have to acknowledge what, you know, what everyone is talking about. And Guardians of the Galaxy is, in fact, my next choice. All right. Uh, and and so, wow. which, by the way, well, can, so, so Winter Soldier is not on anybody's list. Let's talk about that for a second. I, second hardest omission for me. Yes, Look. second hardest omission. I, I it was it was on my list until I remembered something else, which I'll we'll get into later. But I was like, how could I almost forget this? I can't believe it. So, but that's a whole other story. That's a whole other podcast, even man. We can have a whole podcast, but why I didn't leave Winter Soldier on there, man? Anyway, you guys, I can echo everything you guys said. Basically, the sum it up for me, Guardians of the Galaxy is is the marvel is it's it's the infinity saga with confidence mm -hmm. whereas i think avengers was they knew these these characters had a, you know whether or not it was going to gel with a general audience they knew that the niche audience would have at least supported the movie enough to it would have been a moderate hit i think there was always some kind you know with iron man already there and with the comic book fan base being as dedicated as we are, or or the fans of that, whatever you want to you know call that, whether it be movie or comic book fans, I think they knew that the Avengers was was going to be somewhat of a moderate hit, but they I don't know if they expected to be that giant of a hit. I think you you really see, like you guys have all said, Guardians of the Galaxy really is the confidence of Kevin Feige in Marvel Studios trusting themselves knowing they they know what the audience will like and knowing that these characters have lasted or have been popular or the writers have touched on in the comic books for a reason and why these characters have connected with a small niche audience and how you could bring those characters out to an even bigger audience that's always been my biggest thing about uh the comic books itself people say well the comic books are now so much lesser than the films and i would say yeah that, i think that's Right now, the, the movies are bigger than ever, and the comic books are kind of in, in its shadow at this point. But really, 
the comic books are the, the testing ground for everything because if it hits on a smaller audience in the comic books and these characters get, you know, people can gravitate towards them, then the chances are them gravitating toward, t- towards a bigger audience is still is, is good because, again, these characters have lasted so long for a reason. Even the Guardians of the Galaxy characters, they kind of touched on. I think Kevin knew, like, okay, like some of, the, some of these designs from the film, like Star Lord's helmet, uh, the 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 design of Groot, uh, Rocket, Ra- you know, not Rocket Raccoon, but those two things in itself, like they, those are all modern. Like in the last, like when before the movie was uh, announced, within a couple years, it wasn't like they they made that. At least I'm assuming they didn't make that in the comic books to be this. Um, this to, to, to for a potential film and it's designed it and whatever and i think kevin took that and said i know people are gonna like this the 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 the, the dynamics that uh halbert and landmine uh created in their comic book series uh evan and landing excuse me uh creating their comic series are gonna gel with the audience if we put our own spin on it meaning a director comes in with his vi- his or her vision and they can say, this is what we're going to do. And to me, Kevin knew, again, Kevin's not going to let a director do it, do something he doesn't want them to do for the most part. Obviously, Kevin is going to give them freedom, but there's got to be some kind of overall story that he's got and he knows what he wants and he's going to get it. And I think he knew, in the, and again, the confidence to put out something as brave as Guardians of the Galaxy, just it was the first film I felt that, said, that basically told everyone, all bets are off. Everything is off now. Anything you thought that was going to make a in, into the MCU is now completely off the table. Anything goes because now what this proves is that they can not only can they not only can they pick characters that are going to be successful, they can pick release dates that are still kind of like controversial, like in August. That it's not exactly a prime real estate for blockbuster films. And they put they put that film there and said, you know what? We're gonna put it here where it's kind of by itself. It's gonna be attractive. It's gonna have our logo on it, and people are gonna come to it and they're gonna like it because these characters are interesting. It's fun. It's different. And you know what? Kevin nailed it. And to me, it's all confidence. You have full confidence in your product. And I just it's to me in 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 the world we live in in in, in a fickle Hollywood where things are. You know, if this doesn't work, step one, we're abandoning ship and we're doing this and we're doing that. And and it's not a knock on DC. It could be considered that, but it's not. I mean, I, this is Hollywood in general, people. This is not – to give things time is not – it's hard for anyone, much less Hollywood these days. And the thing is to have someone in Hollywood have confidence in their product and really – and again, build – their whole product around something they're going to keep expanding on is huge. It takes a lot, a lot of guts and confidence to do that. And to me, Guardians of the Galaxy does all the things you guys said and that, and, and it's, it's again, it's the MCU saying, you know what? Here, here it is. Here's the Marvel universe in cinematic form. Truly. Yes. We gave you the, the good stuff. We gave you some great stuff, but here it is on a level you've never even anticipated. And we're, you may not, again, like Avengers, you may not be ready for it. You may not think you're ready for it, but you are. And here's why. And sure enough, everyone was ready for it. Absolutely. Yeah, Winter Soldier was uh, was the tough omission for me, uh, or second toughest, because Avengers also didn't make the list. I, I will just throw out for an honorable mention, kind of go back to what we talked about in our In the Endgame episode with Cap. I, I do think 
Winter Soldier immediately was a great movie, but I think in hindsight, it's become that much more important to uh, the overall storyline, story arc, uh, specifically, obviously, for Cap in uh, in the Infinity Saga. But, I mean, it's not just Cap because other characters have been impacted by it. I mean, Tony, I mean, there's a lot. There are things that happen in Winter Soldier that call that play their part in causing uh, the conflict in Captain America Civil War, and, of course, that leads right into Infinity War and Endgame. But really, there's a, a lot for Cap that is accomplished in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. There's just a couple of other things that I, I could not leave off of the list, so uh, had to uh, had to omit it. But John, let's go back to you here. I'm wondering if this might be the one point where we don't agree is film number three. So what do you have next? Um, well, I just want to first say about Cap, um, what... Uh, Winter Soldier, my second toughest submission, and one of the things it did is it um, reinvented a character, which was something else that Thor did uh, in his third movie. And I think Cap really gave you the blueprint of how you can take that left turn if you want to change the trajectory of a uh, of a franchise. And that is, of course, the other huge thing about Winter Soldier is the Russos, which is such a huge part of the MCU and the infinity saga, but alas, we had to leave it off. So yes, uh, my number three movie, I jumped quite a few years and I am going with black Panther. Okay. I think we're going four for four, bud. Okay. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> um, so risk, uh, stupid risk saying we can't bank on uh, non-white characters and they did and it paid off. Uh, the other thing is legitimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie was nominated for Best Picture yep. and won two Academy three. Awards. Three. Three. I'm sorry. What was the third? Uh, score? It won for production design, costume design, and score. Uh, three Academy Awards in real categories, not effects. Real categories that the other movies were, that real movies win for, not just comic book movies. And the critical acclaim and the Oscar uh, nomination for Best Picture and the wins because this movie tackled real issues, controversial issues, dangerous issues if you did them wrong. And they waded into it and said, we are going there. We're going to let Ryan Coogler go there. We're going to let the writers go there. And that sort of empowerment is incredible. Uh, Something else I think this thing, uh, this movie did is it kind of energized the MCU at a point where it was not stagnant, but predictable in terms of these movies will open to this amount, they'll mm-hmm. make about 800 million, and the fans are, you know, generally excited about a week or two before they start to get really built up. This one was a freight train of momentum, and it became an event, and I think it pushed all the subsequent MCU movies, uh, maybe not Ant-Man, but the, the rest of them, to be big, big cinematic events. You think about Spider-Man's probably going to make a billion dollars. That means Black Panther, the two Avengers movies, Captain Marvel, and Spider-Man will all make over a billion dollars. And Black Panther, I think, was the the fire that sort of lit that. And the support they were able to get organically on Twitter uh, with every announcement of the cast, of the director of oh, we got run the jewels for the um for the trailer um really 
really built it up. And then the most important thing, uh, I'm Dominican, so I don't get to see myself as a hero very much on movies that aren't about drug dealers, um, is diversity. This, something I realized, which is really amazing, is that for the first, up until Black Panther, if you were a non-white actor, the best role you could hope for in any of these movies was the best friend. Rhodey, Falcon, Heimdall, Luis, Wong, Ned. That's what your box was. Black Panther blew all of that out of the water because Black Panther was the, uh, uh, now like was the hero, the villain, the love interest, the most trusted advisor, the best friend, mm -hmm. the and the rival. All of those faces, given all of those diverse types of roles, different types of roles, not just the supportive best friend, is the kind of thing that we need to see more of in movies and has shown to be successful. The fact that this movie was diverse was great, but the fact that it made $1.2 billion 1 being diverse, yeah. 1.3. Almost okay. 1.3 and a half. Almost 1.3 and a half. And what was it, like 700 in the U.S.? So it's still like 700, mm -hmm. almost 700 worldwide means that this success breeds copies. So people will start saying, oh, maybe we need to be more diverse if we want to catch fire this sort of way. And that's what makes it perhaps the most important superhero movie, maybe to make the world a more diverse looking place on screen. So I have Black Panther as the third movie on my list. I also have Black Panther as the third film on my list. There was no way I could leave this film off of it. And John, you did a great job with your criteria in explaining why it's on that list for you. Obviously, uh, diversity and representation, inclusion, these are what we are hoping will be the new normal in Hollywood. And I, I'm not going to give Marvel Studios the pat on the back just for making a movie with a non-white male lead, because they should have already been doing that. So they don't get the pat on the back for that. But they do get credit for hiring Ryan Coogler and then just letting him go to work and letting him dive deep into issues in Black Panther where, I mean, I don't know that I have ever or maybe even will ever see a movie that it's not effortless, it just looks like it is, straddles the line between fun pop culture entertainment and really getting into deep human issues and Black Panther goes through all of it. And what I also love about the cast, it's it's not just the diversity of the cast, it's the diversity of the opinions in the room in Black Panther. And I think that's why it resonated. When you talk about people being represented on screen, it's not just having characters who look like them, it's also having a different points of view represented. And I think Black Panther does a phenomenal job of that. You go back to our spoiler review and everything, that... Not just T'Challa, but everybody in that movie with uh, you know with a decent sized speaking part, they get to have their say. They get to weigh in on the issues and share their voice. And I think that's why that movie is so strong and why people loved it so much. Is you could latch onto any number of characters with the points uh, with the arguments that they were making, with the feelings that they were expressing throughout the film, and then to end it the way that they do. I mean for. Killmonger and T'Challa to go through the experience that each of them went through, making the arguments that they're making, 
and giving Killmonger's uh, famous last words in Black Panther about burying him in the ocean because uh, with his ancestors, because even they knew uh, that uh, they knew that death was better than bondage. I mean, I just I was completely shaken by that line when it happened. I couldn't believe that it got to be in a Marvel movie, but I was so proud that Marvel Studios let it be in the movie, and more proud of Ryan Coogler for actually writing it and having it in it and having it in there in the first place. It just really showed uh, that not only was Marvel Studios going to allow these characters to be seen and, and have non-white males show up as the leads in these movies but really allow the filmmakers to have a voice and use all of their voice, not be limited uh, by what they were going to say, that there are feelings, there are emotions that you may have depending on your background, depending on what point of view you may have because your perspective has obviously been shaped by your experience and to actually allow Ryan Coogler to share his experience in a lot of different ways uh, throughout that film. I thought it was just extraordinary and not just Ryan Coogler, the other artists that he worked with, uh, Hannah Beekler, Ruth Carter, of course, the Oscar winners for production design and costume design, respectively. I mean, it's just such an amazing film, top to bottom. I do think it's still Marvel Studios. I don't know if it's their best overall film. It might be tied for first. It is their best standalone film, in my opinion. It is their highest grossing standalone film. One Black Panther movie. There's only been one, and it made more money than any Batman movie ever made, any Spider-Man movie ever made, any Iron Man movie ever made. First try, Black Panther, the highest grossing solo superhero film of all time. That is significant because go back to what John was talking about with re-energizing the audience. It didn't just re-energize the audience, though. It expanded the audience. I haven't seen, going back to Black Panther opening night, I haven't seen that many people leave when the credits started for a Marvel movie since phase one that I did with Black Panther. And while you could laugh at that and say, shouldn't people know by now, those people shouldn't because that was the first time they went and saw a Marvel movie. And I don't blame them for if that was the first time they went and saw a Marvel movie. And so there was an audience that hadn't, for whatever reason, either because they didn't feel represented or they didn't uh, just, it it didn't cater to them, but they didn't feel, uh, they didn't feel excited about it for whatever reason. With Black Panther, they were excited about it felt represented. They went and they go and they see the movie. They love the movie, but they also, because they love the movie so much that they realize, okay, we know why we went and saw Black Panther, but we're also, we now love this universe. And they went back and they saw the other movies. If nothing else, they came right back for Infinity War. Because if you go back and look from the first Avengers movie to Avengers Age of Ultron, there was a drop in the global box office. There was a drop in the domestic box office for sure. There had been some attrition in the MCU. And when you look, and Infinity War was probably going to overcome some of that because of the combination of the Avengers and the Guardians. But without Black Panther, I don't think Avengers Infinity War makes that leap from $1.5 billion of the first Avengers movie all the way to $2 billion. I think a lot of that comes from Black Panther, and it created this wave of momentum that Ant Man and the Wasp aside has carried through with the Marvel Universe where we're on this streak, again, with the exception of Ant-Man and the Wasp, a billion-dollar movie after billion-dollar movie, and the audience has just been expanding. And I think when we're talking about the Mount Rushmore of the Infinity Saga, it has to stand up for all time, right? It's literally going to be etched in stone. So I also have to look at, as, as important as Black Panther is for the Infinity Saga, and it is vital it's also it might be the one film out of this entire infinity saga that has the most uh, has the biggest impact on the future on the next saga 
is going to be Black Panther. And that's why I feel like that, among many other reasons, is why I feel like it has to be represented on the list. And one more thing that John uh, touched on here was when he was talking about, uh, you know, the the legitimacy that comes with the the awards nominations. We did an entire show talking about Black Panther and its Academy Award nominations, then actually winning three of them, being the first ever comic book superhero-based movie to be ne- uh, to be nominated for Best Picture. Is it the first one that ever deserved it? No, but it is the first one that actually got it. It was the first one that what that made such an impact that the academy just could not deny it the academy knew that they would be killed if they didn't if they denied that film i mean people complain about the academy anyway uh, because then they made a mistake with who won best picture but they would have been raked over the coals if they and rightfully so if black panther had not been nominated for best picture and it really helped change the conversation around marvel movies Marvel movies have largely been outside of visual effects and then one sound category for Iron Man, makeup and hairstyling for the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Marvel movies had been ignored by the Academy. And now I think the conversation around Marvel movies is changing. Those of us who've been, we've been on board, we've been along for the ride every step of the way. We've we've known that there's more here than just superficial popcorn fun entertainment. We know there's gold in these movies. We've known that all along. But I think for a lot of for most of this time period of the Infinity Saga, it's been easy enough for everybody else to just wave that off and just go ahead and uh, and ignore the MCU, ignore how good these movies really are. Black Panther really did a lot to change the conversation because then people were talking about Black Panther and its artistic merit and also retroactively talking about the artistic merit that's been happening all along inside the MCU, and it's going to change the way, and it already has changed the way, that other MCU movies are going to be viewed going forward. Other MCU movies, and other comic book-based superhero movies, not just the ones from Marvel Studios, are going to be looked at through a different lens, as if they could legitimately contend for these higher awards. Not that the awards really matter. They are feathers in the cap. That's not something that you need to use for validation of your opinions, but it is nice to see hard work being recognized by your peers within the industry. And so I still hope to see the people who work so hard on these movies to receive that kind of recognition. And Black Panther got it, and other Marvel movies may subsequently be able to get, and the people who work on those movies will ultimately be able, or may in some cases anyway, ultimately be able to have a better chance now going forward of having their work recognized because Black Panther has changed the way these films are looked at. So yes, uh, it is absolutely on my Mount Rushmore. Every once in a while, someone uh, is given the opportunity to speak last on something that they all agree on. And yes, this is my, my, my pick as well. Uh, in fact, this was the movie I almost forgot about when I had Winter Soldier in there before, I'm like, okay, Winter Soldier has got to be in there because of this, this, and this. The reasons, you know, you, I was, I wanted to argue with you uh, a minute there, John, when you were talking about Winter Soldier about a couple things. I'm like, I wanted to jump in. I'm like, oh, this isn't the time. Different podcast. Next, next show you're on, we'll do that. Um, but, you know, I remembered. I'm like, wait, wait, Black Panther. Like, I, I cannot not have this. This yeah. is such an important film. And you, again, you both beautifully described especially john especially you you really nailed exactly how important how how monumental this film is on so many levels and 
I think one of the best things about Black Panther is that it not only is amazing in the fact that it's it's going to give us it gives us better representation of the world within it, like with 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 what it represents, but it's just a freaking great movie. And like it's all those things combined and it's like this is great and like you uh, you even said yourself they went dangerous places. Like if you would have told me uh, years before Black Panther was even in, you know, sniffing a film, and you would have told me how to deal with race and and you know and and things like you know of your, your role in society, in societies and whatnot, I would have been like, man, that that is not the way to go for Black Panther film. And boy, I'm glad that people don't listen to me or ever listen to me ever <laughs> sometimes, because obviously in today's times this movie was so important and the, and the issues they brought up are, were important for today and needed to be said today. And they did it beautifully. And they gave us, and one of the things I think, you know, I don't, I didn't really hear as much talk about this is the fact that we got a villain that was both, both evil, but yet also so understanding, even on a level that, you know, Loki, we all understand and respect or not respect. We all can understand Loki and, and where he might've went the wrong way and where his misgivings and whatnot began with Killmonger. It's a total different story because he was brought up in a, in a much different environment and different circumstances and just everything that those are all things that even people can even, even relate to, you know, in even bigger level than Loki's Loki's still people can still identify with Loki. I mean, I can identify sometimes with Loki, how he was brought up and things like that. And, and all those, the uh, complications were with Killmonger. It's even bigger than that. And like you said, John, this movie goes dangerous places that you wouldn't think a superhero movie would go. And it does. And I love Everything about Black Panther, I love. It's beautifully written. The dialogue is great. The characters are great. The, he has probably the best supporting cast in in all the MCU, basically. That's not relying on uh, another Avenger or a Avenger, if you will. Like, you know, you could look at Winter Soldier and you've got Falcon, you've got Black Widow. Again, I love that about, you know, even Thor Ragnarok. You have the Incredible Hulk in the movie. You have Valkyrie. Black Panther is just Black Panther. And he's got a great supporting cast of different characters that you don't really, you weren't really invested in before, but you came out loving. And again, not always the case in all these MCU films. I mean, the Warriors 3, I love those guys and, and Sif and everyone, but they were underutilized. They were not properly fleshed out. In Black Panther, you have so many different great characters that people clung to and loved. Shuri, um, oh my God, Okoye, uh, I almost forgot her name. I mean, like these are great characters that people wanted to see that they, when they came back in Endgame, you were just, you were just, you couldn't, you wanted to see more. And Okoye, the fact that she has more, you know, she survives in Endgame and, and, and goes further. I mean, that is a testament to Black Panther and the job that Coogler did and everyone did in that film. You know, it's and like you guys, you said too, Black Panther was nominated for an Academy Award, multiple Academy Awards, Best Picture. I mean, it's like it, it just baffles me that that was. It, I mean, I get it. It was rightfully nominated, but it just. I never thought I'd see you would. I would never have predicted that ever. And this movie is so important on so many different levels, and not only that, but it's an important as I think going forward in this in the 
because uh, obviously it's important in a meta level, meta level of the, of the whole society and whatnot going through. But in the MCU level, it's giant too because we all know Black Panther is going to be basically the next Tony Stark slash Iron Man character in the Avengers going forward, and that his role and his and his leadership is going to be a, a pivotal part. I mean, it's it's all there. And so to me, this film does so much on so many different levels. It's, it's amazing that it can, it can be a coherent film and it's a blast to watch. And it's it, the fact it does all that in two what and a half hours or whatever is amazing. So yeah, again, John, I thought you did a beautiful job. I, I hate being the last person sometimes now with all this. I wish I had a more controversial list so I could like, you know, <laughs> but I, but I don't, I, 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 maybe the next one might be a little more controversial, but We'll see. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you, John and Sean. This, Black Panther has to be on your Mount Rushmore. I, I think it's, if you don't, it, it's, I want to hear why, because it's, it's a great, amazing film. Well, we've now arrived at uh, everybody's fourth and final pick. I didn't even expect there to be two clean sweeps in this one, uh, let alone potentially three. But I don't know. Paul's kind of making me think he might go a different direction here. Uh, but we'll continue going in uh, in our rotation here. So, John, what are you picking to... I think it's mostly just a two-horse race. Uh, horse one, race, yeah. One that I would say is probably heavily favored. Um, but for the the last film that is going to be etched permanently onto your Infinity Saga Mount Rushmore, is it Infinity War or Endgame? It is Infinity War. We are going to disagree. Ah. <laughs> Go for it. Finally, ah. okay. risk has been a big uh, factor in all my choices, and the risk of Infinity War that the villain wins mm. is one of the great ones, and paid off beautifully, where people left the theater dumbfounded and shocked and without applause and just sort of gutted. And um, that sort of showed that Marvel is still on top of its game. Uh, right after Black Panther, you have one of the biggest events ever ending with a downer. So for that alone, I think it deserves a spot. But selfishly, it's my favorite of all the 23 movies. So I have to have my favorite on there. I also think it's the best crossover event out of all of them. In I know Endgame has maybe better moments. Uh, the end when everyone shows up is if we were to redo our old podcast would be my number one, but oh, yeah. infinity war has the guardians and Dr. Strange and the Avengers all mixing together in a beautiful way, beautifully paced, wonderful to see. My, my favorite pairing was the Dr. Strange, Spider-Man, Iron Man, uh, pairing the humor was fantastic even though it w still had a ominous feel to it it still managed to be funny and entertaining i thought the action sequences were spectacular and this one is on my list for one main reason though and i don't think the infinity saga would have worked if this movie hadn't have gotten thanos so right and gotten his role so right in terms of the focus of the movie, the amount of time, he had more screen time than any character. 
imagine if the Infinity Saga had sort of just had the Endgame Thanos. I don't think you would have cared that much. You got to know him. You got to fear him. And the weight he has been carrying over the previous, what was it, 18 movies, wouldn't have felt as strong if you go back and watch him if he hadn't have been so powerful in this movie. Thanos, for the Infinity Saga, I think what it also did is it put Thanos up there with the greatest villains in terms of fantasy in film history. He's up there with Darth Vader and the Wicked Witch of the West and Voldemort as an iconic villain that everybody knows. Yeah. And it has the most significant event in the entire MCU, the snap. And the snap will live forever. We're talking about etching things forever. The snap is forever. And so if I was building the Mount Rushmore for Infinity War, I would have Thanos' face on the mountain. That was so important, and that's why I had to put it on the list as um, my fourth and final choice. Paul, are you Infinity War or Endgame? Would you want me to answer that now, or you want to go well, next? Does anybody? I'll just put it this way: Does anybody agree with John's last pick for his Mount Rushmore? <laughs> I do not. Maybe. Well, if you do, then yeah, you can go ahead and say yes. All right. Yes, I, I, I Infinity War is my my number. Oh, yes. that's my boy. That's my boy, John. That's my boy. Um, <laughs> no, it, it again. All the reasons I'm just gonna go now, I guess, Sean. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah no, go for it. All right, so, so for me, it was tough because Endgame and Infinity War are all timers. I was just thinking, I, I do a little walk in the morning uh, around my around my campus at work, just kind of get some extra little extra steps in the morning and whatever, and uh, just kind of think about stuff. And sometimes it's about work, sometimes it's not. And to today, I think it was even today, I was thinking about. Uh, this uh in preparation it's kind of thing about films and and i thought about just end game itself and thought man that movie is an all-timer because the thing is with all with with end game it's it it it's an ending that most not everyone but majority of people liked or loved and when's the last time we could say that about any film not much and so it's uh but, but i the more i started thinking about it the more I keep thinking about Infinity War and how is the ultimate setup for that brilliant ending that we got in Endgame. Meaning ending meaning the whole film of Endgame. And without Infinity War being this amazing film for me, then I don't think Endgame can can measure up. It doesn't give the the weight that you go into Endgame and you feel like you walk out. Endgame does the does the incredible thing and the thing that no one I think anyone could predict or you know nine times out of ten i or not even nine times out of ten i'd say like seven out of ten times more people are going to complain about it the ending more than anything endgame was able to do but with infinity war the reason you care the reason you got to those places is all because of the setup of what like kind of what john was saying thanos you could call that movie avengers thanos and it would have worked and i think in fact my my good friend um father's figures uh, on instagram and twitter uh, toy photographer, he calls it Thanos. He doesn't call it Infinity War. He calls it Thanos. So like, I was watching Thanos the other day, and he's not wrong. And you could have called that movie Thanos, and it would have worked. And I think people would have came came to it and loved it, and they would have lost their minds at it and whatever. Um, obviously, for branding purposes and merchandising, you don't want to really do that. But regardless, I digress. 
Infinity War is everything that I you want in a crossover, like John said. It's everything. I mean, when Spider-Man shows up at the very beginning, it's it feels, again, like going back to the Avengers and why I love that movie so much, Infinity War brings that comic book mentality of a crossover, like the original Infinity Gauntlet issue number one, where you have all these different people interacting together. It's just, it's crazy to see it all happening around this one major event. And you don't have to over-explain everything. It's It's got a, such a brilliant pace to it, like, like Endgame. But Infinity War... Infinity War, again, sets everything up. It sets that pace up beautifully. And I just, I marvel, no pun intended, I marveled <laughs> at just how well and structured and how you, you got invested into Thanos and, and everything in the film as I watched it. And, and, and it's funny, I've been, I've been, I haven't watched many MCU films on, on recently because I'm waiting to get the rest of these films on 4K, which I literally just pre-ordered while John was talking. And, um, which is a lot of money, by the way, to even cry, but it's all worth it. Cause I can't wait to get these. So, but I haven't watched them in a while, but I've been just itching to watch infinity war. And I may watch it before and, and all those get here. Cause I've been itching to rewatch it because I feel that it's got so much, it's, it's no, it is the villain's film. It's Thanos's film. It's, he's the main character and everyone's just reacting to him. And the ending of the film, of the snap, everyone, the, the heroes lose. I'm, I'll never forget thinking that the end of Infinity War, I, I, I just, I sat in my chair with my, with my jaw dropped. And I said to my, I just remember saying, saying out loud, I can't believe that they did that. I can't believe that they, they did it. They, I can't believe it. I mean, I, I automatically knew what they were going to do afterward, or not automatically, but I knew what, what they were going to attempt to do in the next film. But the fact they did that and they just, you know, again, small children watching this movie. I mean, just the guts, the confidence. Again, going back to the films of Guardians of the Galaxy and the Avengers, all that confidence that you built up from those films on into Infinity War is paid off in this film. It's ultimately, and I, it's hard and honestly for me, and I think, John, I'm curious what you think about this. Um, I, I can't help but think Infinity War and Endgame as the same film. I, I just can't like, I feel like they're just, they're together. And it's it, for me, it, it, it's a cop out a little bit too, but I, I just can't not think of one without the other. And, but if I had to choose one, I have to choose the start of it. So the start infinity war is the example and, and the, the precedence of what you can do with superhero films. You can add again, Avengers started it with you can have more than you know more than four characters interacting, you know, and Infinity War took that on steroids and said you can have like fifty characters in this movie interacting and, and have everyone have a have some kind of thing without being forced into something like um, some forced narrative, if you will. Everything felt natural if you do it the right way, and I think the Infinity War is going to be the blueprint the blueprint for everyone going forward, how many characters you can juggle and what you can do in these kind of science fiction, fantasy, whatever kind of films, you can have those big epic things in it, have a lot going on, just done the right way. Infinity War is that to a T. It's tough. I mean, I, I wouldn't call, I mean, I already said Avengers was the most difficult uh, omission followed by Captain America, the Winter Soldier. So I guess that means Infinity War was third. The only reason I'm more comfortable omitting Infinity War than the other two is I do feel like 
Infinity War is that much more directly represented by my fourth and final choice of Avengers Endgame. All of the reasons that you two have laid out for why you have Infinity War uh, on your list, they are completely valid, and they are the same kinds of arguments that I would have made in favor of Infinity War had I placed it on uh, on my Mount Rushmore. The whole reason, though, that I, I have to favor Endgame between the two, it really comes down to sticking the landing. It comes down to Marvel Studios being able to deliver a fitting conclusion to the Infinity Saga, that this is ha- that they actually did it. They introduced all these exciting ideas and things that were kickstarted by other films that made it onto our uh, respective Mount Rushmore lists, as well as films that didn't quite make it onto the list, and even some that, that were important but you know weren't necessarily uh, all that strong in terms of consideration here. Endgame took all of that, and it delivered the most beautiful, satisfying ending imaginable. And it's why I I said it in our Endgame spoiler review. I mean, I was saying it in my reaction tweets to Endgame. This is the Infinity Saga. It's the greatest cinematic saga of all time, in my opinion, bar none. And it couldn't be that if it didn't have an ending like Avengers Endgame. So that's why Endgame just has to be on the list. But if we're looking at more... In story ways, uh, yes, Infinity War is for all the reasons you guys said it's it's incredible. I don't even know if I've I haven't made a decision. I do know that I have not made a final decision as far as which, which one is the better movie. Actually, is it Infinity War or Endgame? I, I really do think of both of them. Well, I see them as individual parts, but I also see them as a collective, and I, I think I just favor Endgame uh, being the being the representative on. Uh, on this MCU or the Infinity Saga Mount Rushmore uh, for being uh, for being that conclusion. And uh, it's tough. But the other part of it in story uh, that I was getting at there before I started rambling, but uh, the other part that I was getting at was Endgame covers a lot of ground. It doesn't just represent... It, it, sure, it also represents Infinity War for me, but it represents a lot of the MCU. I mean, Avengers didn't make my list. Endgame helps provide that representation of the Avengers because you go back and they actually we're seeing 2012 for the Avengers. And we go and we see some of Guardians of the Galaxy, although I still gave Guardian, Guardians its own place on my list. But even all the way down to the film that I took a playful jab at earlier, Thor The Dark World, because I still love that movie, warts and all, but so does Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame loves the entire mythology of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and represents it so beautifully and even drills down to the very best parts I think of Thor the Dark World was the little bits we got with uh, Frigga but it was more Frigga and Loki and then obviously her death and seeing how that impacted Thor but then actually getting that conversation you know taking it back to that time and giving Thor that conversation with her and everything like it's just it's amazing and from stepping outside of the story inside the movie the story of the movie itself outside the movie, the way the audience responded to it. I mean, they're both unique experiences in terms of Infinity War and Endgame. I mean, I'll never forget uh, all the times I, I saw it, especially in, in the early goings uh, when it was still packed theaters. You know, people just being so deathly silent at the end of Avengers Infinity War. And I'll I'll never forget that for as long as I live. But I'm also never going to forget 
just the elation that was and the enthusiasm, the unbridled enthusiasm and joy of everything that was happening in Avengers Endgame. Well, not everything was joyful. I mean, there was a lot of despair in the movie, but then when you get to portals and everybody comes out, and even but even before that, I mean, Cap catching Thor's hammer, and then the showdown between Cap and Thanos and all of his army, and then the heroes come out of the portals, and just the audience absolutely losing their mind because it's 11 years worth of stories all being paid off in such an extraordinary way. And when we talk about the idea of movies being, seeing the movie in a theater and having that sense of community to be with a group of people, some people you know, most of the people in that room you don't, uh, lights go down, you're watching this story, and everybody's watching this unfold, everybody's invested, and they just can't believe their eyes as they're seeing it. And even going back and watching it uh, a couple weeks ago when they did the the re-release or whatever, when they were handing out the posters and everything, even in that theater, which was mostly full because everybody was uh, psyched about going and seeing the movie again, this is people who've seen the movie, and people are still reacting like crazy to the big moments in Avengers Endgame. There's still people applauding and cheering in those moments, at least in my theater. Your experience may, may vary, but the way that film emotionally impacted everybody... I think that's what just, it brings it all home for the Infinity Saga in just such an unbelievable, uh, unprecedented kind of way. And it's such a hard thing to do, you know? And if Endgame hadn't been so satisfying, I do think retroactively that could hurt Infinity War a little bit. I mean, Infinity War would still be viewed as great and people say, well, it would be, it's, aw shucks, like Endgame didn't stick the landing, but that's not Infinity War's fault. And while that would be true... Infinity War and every other movie in the MCU is just that much more satisfying because the conclusion was so good. And we did an entire episode talking about that, sticking the landing, and just how hard that is when people have so many ideas in their heads because they love characters and they love a story. Uh, they love they, they love it for so long, and they spend so much time with it in their heads and in their hearts and imagining what it's going to be and how they want it all to come to a close and so a lot of times th those fail, they certainly don't get the kind of positive consensus that Endgame got. And part of that, I think, is because people just, people ultimately don't like what they get as much as what they had in their heads. Endgame was the rare mega pop culture conclusion that was actually not just as good, but better than what most people had in their heads than what most people dared to even imagine in all the years we spent looking forward to that film, particularly that last year uh, after Infinity War. So Endgame, it takes the last spot. I have to, It has to be on my Infinity Saga Mount Rushmore because the Infinity Saga is what it is and is as great as it is, thanks in large part to every film that's part of it, but especially uh, Endgame providing uh, such a wonderful, such an extraordinary conclusion. Uh, so yeah, Endgame uh, finishes up my Mount Rushmore and Infinity War is is represented in it. Fair enough. It's uh, absolutely an incredible movie. It was the third hardest omission for me. Um, and basically, I'm surprised there's nothing on either of your lists, Avengers and uh, Endgame, that I didn't seriously consider putting on there um, mm -hmm. to represent. Yeah. It seems like we, we are overlapping quite a bit in our... And what we think are the important uh, MCU movies. 
And I do want to give two really quick shout outs to Thor Ragnarok, just for pure enjoyment yeah. and fun. And then uh, Civil War um, is just a great movie from start to finish and uh, also very emotional. And it's the one that brought Spider-Man into the MCU, which just made the entire thing complete. You have Spider-Man in this saga, and that's just very important. Yeah, no, I mean, Civil War was uh, some. it wasn't as tough as an omission as the other ones, but it was certainly up on the list. Uh, Thor Ragnarok was definitely something that uh, I thought about a little bit. I'm trying to think if there's anything else on the list that that was really all that tempting. I think those were the main ones, but it's just, it really comes down to how you want the MCU to be represented. And, yeah. and so mm-hmm. I wanted it to be represented by, you know, some of its biggest uh, accomplishments in terms of uh, critical acclaim and awards acclaim with Black Panther. But really, I mean, the awards are actually were towards the bottom of my list of why that even made it. Um, even There are important reasons, but not as significant as the other things that were outlined. But wanting to go back to the beginning with Iron Man, but I think you can, I think it's valid to choose Iron Man or Avengers as a beginning in terms of, uh, you know, being representing the MCU in phase one on that Mount Rushmore. Um, but I, I think phase three is the only one that got two films, I think, on everybody's list. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's, well, it's an indication that phase three is obviously bigger than the other two phases. Uh, but I think it's also because Marvel Studios, they were making good films right out the gate with Iron Man, but they've been getting better and better at this uh, over time. And so that's why I think we see uh, a couple of different films from phase three on each of our lists. But it's a fantastic list. And uh, any way you slice it, I mean, all three of these different lists, and there's whether you're, you have Paul's list, which recapping, you had what, Avengers, Guardians, Black Panther, and Infinity War. Yeah, uh, John, you had Iron Man, Guardians, Black Panther, and Infinity War, and then I had Iron Man, Guardians, Black Panther, and Endgame. Not nearly as much variation on these lists as we had with uh, our top ten lists, uh, which I didn't expect there to be quite as much variation, but I didn't expect us to agree quite as much uh, as we did. Uh, but these are difficult choices, but I, I think there was at least some overlap in, in how we all approach this and wanting different uh so many different aspects of the MCU to be uh, represented. So I guess the only thing we should, uh, the the toughest thing for me though, is uh, now that I have these four films, uh, you mentioned, you know, what would be the four heads that would go on the Mount Rushmore? I mean, Uh, obviously Iron Man is easy Um, for guardians. Groot. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it had to be Groot or rocket. I mean, you're tempted to do star Lord, but I mean, Uh, it's uh, gotta be one of those two, I think. Yeah. What what about you, Paul? Which guardian are you throwing up there? Um, yeah, you know, I I already know for Avengers you're putting up Cap. Of course. Yeah. So um, for, for Guardians, yeah. who who's the head? Uh, I think Star Lord's helmet. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great helmet. It is a great yeah. helmet. I'm almost thinking Rocket though, because Rocket of all the Guardians members had the biggest role in the Infinity Saga because he's actually in Endgame throughout it. Um, I don't know. I'm th- I'm ten- that one's tough between those three. Or maybe I do Gamora. I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna go with Rocket. I changed my mind. I think Rocket is the right yeah. one. Although I might have, you know what? Eh, I might have to go with Gamora. Because mm. we uh-huh. we seriously don't have any female representation on the, <laughs> on the Mount Rushmore. So I'm, I'm gonna go to, with uh, Gamora, and not just because she's a female character, but she actually has a great role in each of those first two films. But uh, an incredible role in Infinity War, and then also an incredible role unexpectedly in uh, in Avengers Endgame. So I might favor her there. Um, 
Although it's still, it's tough. The only one I know is not on is Drax. No offense to Drax. He's great, but he's not, uh, he's not as tough a choice as the other ones. Black Panther, I think it's fairly obvious. We'll just go ahead and go with uh, T'Challa. So for Infinity mm. War, John, you mentioned Thanos would be the head on your uh, representing there. So, yeah. Paul, are you also picking Thanos? Yeah, for sure. Well, you can't, I don't think you can not not pick Thanos. For Infinity, yeah, if Infinity War is your choice, yeah. Yeah. Um, the hardest part for me is deciding between Thanos for Endgame, even though he didn't actually win. It's not going to be Iron Man because Iron Man's already on the is already there, so it it's kind of a three horse race between Thanos, Cap, and Thor. And uh, I might have Bad to. Go, Thor. I, Bad I, Thor. I, I might have to. I might have to go Cap. I mean, the most yeah. the the most emotional and cathartic moments besides Tony, who's already represented. Um, or Cap, you know, getting the hammer, Avengers assemble, you know. So I get I don't have any villain representation on my MCU Mount Rushmore, and so um, you know I, f- I feel real bad about that for Thanos because I agree with you, John. I think he's firmly become an all time movie villain. He's on the short yeah. list. He's absolutely on the short list for the uh, the all time greats. There's no doubt about it. And that's for us. You know, we've seen all the great villains that have been on screen up until this point. I can't imagine for a younger generation growing up on these films, how Thanos is, that's their guy when it comes to movie villains. Like that's the one that they're always going to remember. Cause he's the one who killed half their heroes at the end of that one movie. Uh, yeah. and, you know, and just how formidable he was even in, in Avengers Endgame and everything that it took to beat him a one in 14.6 million shot to beat him. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's tough. I might have to, uh, but if I put Thanos on there, then I don't have Cap on my Mount Rushmore, and that's really tough. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I'll split it. Half of that head will be Cap, the other half will be Thanos. So it's not going to work at all, size wise. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think uh, for me, if you have, you have to have um, Thanos as the head, and I think Cap to me. Again, you said it best, Sean. Cap was, or Avengers was, Cap's coming out party. I think that was what, what people got to see Cap for what he was and what makes him a great character. First Avenger was great, but it just no one really saw it. But I think people got to see what it really was about in that in that film. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, I think we've got all of our uh, Mount Rushmore lists wrapped up. I'm sure you all have your own list, so you can reach out to us on Twitter or whatever. We'll tell you where you can do that to tell us how right or wrong we are. Probably going to (laughs) lean. It's the Internet, so it's probably going to lean that we're wrong. Uh, Anyway, uh, before we get out of here, though, I do have some folks to thank. So let me say thank you to Benjamin A. Pete, Gary Hicks, Kirk Gardner, Jamie Magwick or Magwick. Uh, Kurt Anderson, Phil Hahn, Anthony Lowry, Jake Wade, J.P. Faea, and Josh Farrar. They are among the latest patrons over at patreon.com slash News, where we have all kinds of exclusive content from this podcast that is not available anywhere else. So we do Patreon credit scenes, where we do an episode like this one, but then we'll have an additional conversation, perhaps about a related or unrelated topic. Uh, and we have those, we attach those to not necessarily all of these episodes, but most of them. And we do, for example, for this week, uh, the Patreon credit scene, since this is the last show we're going to have out before Comic-Con, we're going to do our little Comic-Con preview slash wish list for the Patreon credit scene for this episode. 
but then we also have, and that's available for just a dollar a month, but that also gives you 24-hour early access to the main show. It also allows you to listen to a weekly Q&A show that I host over there on the Patreon, but we have other tiers as well that allow you to submit questions for those Q&A shows, not just listen, but also ask some of the questions, have access to our Patreon-exclusive Discord. Uh, we also have a daily news show that's available every Monday through Friday at another tier. And we have all kinds of other exclusive uh uh, exclusive audio, sh- exclusive audio shows, as well as opportunities to be on the show. So, for more information on all of the different tiers that we have, you can find that at Patreon.com/slash/MarvelStudiosNews. One last note there that I forgot is that if you do sign up uh, and you are getting exclusive audio, then you'll be able to get your own RSS feed, so you get all of your Marvel Studios News podcasts, the main show, and the Patreon exclusive stuff. You can subscribe with that RSS link in your podcatcher, like Apple Podcasts so that you can get all of your content in one spot. You don't have to track it down in multiple places. And then make sure you keep up with us on our website, marvelstudiosnews.com, Facebook and Instagram at Marvel Studios News, and on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. John, where can everybody keep up with you? If you want them to. If you don't, just... Well, I'm not really on Twitter. I just wanted uh, everyone to follow these guys on Twitter. Aww. And uh, I just want to thank you guys again for... I do a lot of traveling, a lot of plane flights, a lot of hotel rooms with my job, and uh, you guys are one of the instrumental ways that I get to uh, pass the time. And Aww. as always, uh, you guys do help me fall asleep. So it's always great to get if on that There's plane. one thing we can do. It's put, yes. it's put you to sleep. <laughs> Especially me. you're tired me. as hell and you just want to fall asleep, listening to Paul's dulcet tones really helps. So Aww. there you go. So I want to thank you guys for that. And I encourage everyone to get on Patreon uh certain tiers you get to do this but also um these guys give you the entertainment and they deserve to be um compensated a little bit for their time uh so i highly encourage everyone to do the right thing and if you guys are loyal listeners just at least throw them a dollar come on oh i appreciate that very much paul where can they uh find you well first of all john thank you for all those nice words man that was that means all the world to me, honestly. And as a fellow person who falls asleep to podcasts, I know exactly what you're talking about. So <laughs> yes. that is a that is that is that's an honorable, that's a humbling and honorable thing that you just told me. That's awesome. Uh, you can find me on Twitter though at Herman22 with two N's on Twitter and Insta. Go ahead and check me out there, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll hopefully I'll be entertaining enough. And if you want to follow me, you can do that on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber, Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So, John, thanks again, not only for supporting us over on the Patreon, but giving us really great topics to discuss uh, on these guest spots here. These were both uh, really fun shows. The top 10 list, uh, which is definitely due for a revision, as well <laughs> as the... Uh, yes. Yeah, as well as this uh, this MCU Mount Rushmore, the Infinity Saga Mount Rushmore, we might have to do you know in ten years another Mount Rushmore for the next saga of the MCU, but we'll figure that out when we get to it. So for John and Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks to all of you for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>